This podcast was recorded at the height of the pandemic and references events from March through September of 2020. This is Inspiring Minds, a podcast focused on thought-provoking conversations between BSB students and our world-class faculty. Hello, and welcome to the Inspiring Minds podcast. My name is Jake Algano. I'm a senior management major, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Dr. Manuela Priestmoot, an associate professor here within our management department, to discuss some of the trials and challenges pertaining to company culture due to the current extended remote work period primarily related to workplace toxicity. So now that people predominantly work remotely, how does it affect workplace incivility? Can we assume that this workplace incivility might increase or decrease? And uh, would this happen only in toxic environments? Or can we expect this increase or decrease to also affect positive company cultures? It's a very good question. People are very interested in what does it currently look like if people all work remote? Are people nicer to each other or do we just see this explosion in um, you know, workplace incivility or rude behavior, what have you? You know, a lot of the answers with respect to the last six months are still out. People are just currently conducting research, but there is some evidence uh, already in the literature that would suggest that people who are pressed for time might not always have the time at hand to really communicate in a proper manner. We um, talk more on an impersonal level. We have more impersonal interactions. We write shorter notes to one another. It might be I am a lot. It might be short emails. And so working remotely and sending all these, you know, one line emails, they might not always, you know, have the considerate tone that we want to convey potentially in in in-person meetings. And so the more impersonal interactions we have, and we don't see each other and we don't see our emotions, they might be more perceived as rude or uncivil. Another predictor you know, that we might see an increase in sort of toxic uh, work environments is that uh, a lot of people work sort of extra shifts. They might take care of an elderly parent, they have their kids at home, and so people might just feel depleted or exhausted. Depletion and emotional exhaustion is one of the biggest predictor that we actually see of workplace aggression. Or sadly, we might also see that um, this aggressive behavior might be directed towards family members. So there might be more yelling at home. People might not be as nice to their spouse or um, you know, yell at their children a little bit more because this depletion of the past six months might really um, create uh, a little bit more aggressive behavior. I think now employees often find it difficult being able to speak or voice their opinions within an online format. What strategies can managers utilize to encourage everyone to be able to communicate their thoughts? And then like, how can we also effectively capture that information that is otherwise going unsaid because people don't want to voice their opinions or speak up? That's very hard to do in a remote setting to make sure that everybody um, always feels, you know, comfortable to speak up. The good news is that there are some things that we could potentially do. Two of the biggest predictors of uh, you know, encouraging voice in organizations, the first one is this notion of psychological safety. So people really need to feel uh, sort of the safe space to be able to speak up. Now, psychological safety is created actually through building trust and being part of a team and feeling, you know, this this sort of sense of belongingness and having frequent interactions with one another. That's really how we build psychological safety in organizations. And keep in mind that that part is sort of completely taken away when we all work remotely these days. 
what managers might want to do is try to create these interpersonal aspects in uh, these online formats that, you know, even when you work at a new team, try to spend a bit more time to have people get to know each other, even remotely, have them share, you know, personal things that are going on in their lives, you know, who they are, um, try to create trust between people, have them work together on different assignments, uh, meet deadlines and so forth. And that way we're able to create psychological safety even remotely. And it's this type of psychological safety that helps people speak up if they feel uncomfortable about something. The second component that really helps in people wanting to um, say something if things don't go their way, if there's something on their mind, is this notion of efficacy. In other words, people really have to feel like when they do speak up, they're also being heard and they feel like they can you know, impact change. And so efficacy is really um, sort of heightened uh, when certain fairness norms and ethics values, uh, things like transparency uh, um, are, and openness are being communicated to employees. So, and we can send these messages, managers can send these messages with emails or before Zoom meeting you know, start, they can reiterate sort of what the values of the organizations are, what are the values of our team, how we're gonna make this happen, create an open environment. And more and more people might feel like you know, if I say something, I'll actually be heard. And so it creates this spark, this confidence in people that they can speak up. And so there are things of constantly delivering, uh, you know, the values of the organizations and the norms and ethics standards behind processes that really help with that endeavor. And so those are the two things that managers could specifically focus on in the, uh, you know, when we work remotely that, that could help increase people wanting to voice things and help the organization that way. Some of your research mentioned the double-edged sword of using surveillance and structure to monitor remote workers. How would you advise managers to appropriately monitor how employees are working from home? And how does one strike the balance between trust and ensuring people are staying focused and on task? So there is evidence that structure might be sort of this, you know, this double-edged sword. So working in really strict, rigid, you know, tight organizational um, cultures where there's a lot of bureaucracy, uh, micromanaging, you know, those types of things are really not very welcome. Employees don't really like them as much. It takes a lot of uh, autonomy and personal freedom uh, away from people. And, and every employee likes autonomy. We like to do our own work at our own time. We like to be seen as competent people. And so having our autonomy be taken away when we're monitored uh, constantly or have cameras on or being recorded or what have you, uh, it might take that autonomy away from people and uh, it might lead to more destructive behavior rather than help um, in this situation. On the other hand, we found that taking all the structure away is actually also not, uh, not a good thing. We need to have a structure and clarity for uh, the roles and the tasks and the jobs we need to do. It actually reduces you know, this notion of role ambiguity and it adds certainty and clarity for employees. And we also need that to do a good job. So there is really, you know, walking this fine line and management is don't micromanage, don't always record, give people enough space that they can complete their work. But at the same time, you do want to provide enough structure about the task that they can ad adequately do it. So those are the balance that, that we need to have, but certainly don't micromanage and um, you know, take that, that sense of autonomy away. One of the things I've gathered just from talking to a lot of my friends and fellow upperclassmen is there's a kind of like a real nervousness about like going into the workforce now that a lot of it's going to be remote um, and online. 
For new business professionals entering the full-time workforce for the first time and beginning their careers by working from home, how can uh, we expect employers to communicate and foster their corporate culture? Uh, this is also a very good question. And I think the key term really is here to constantly communicate. So especially if you're hiring a lot of new people who might be nervous of starting their jobs in a remote setting where they are unable to build these interpersonal relationships that are so important, um, it is really about uh, you know, building a corporate culture um, through the channels that we currently have. Uh, the good news is corporate cultures are really made up of values that people share and people uphold in the organizations. And values can be communicated through different channels. So even starting, uh, you know, having Zoom calls, um, sending, you know, videos of executives to people, starting meetings by sort of thinking about how the, you know, what the values of the organizations are, how they contribute in the world, what's their purpose, what's their mission, um, and reiterating those values in Zoom calls, in emails, when projects are talked about, when people work on their tasks, um, it really helps deliver the message of the corporate culture and it really sets the tone for new employees of how we approach things if the values of the organizations are constantly communicated. And that can be done through any channel, whether it's through Zoom calls, whether it's through talking with uh, management, uh, with colleagues, whether it's through email exchanges, whether it's through social media. All of these communication methods help new employees uh, understand what the corporate culture is and then embrace the values and, uh, and use them to move forward um, on their own. There's a lot of things that we can do still to make that happen. What do you think is the biggest takeaway employers can learn from the remote work experience that has occurred over the past several months? It's gonna be important to continue to lead and continue to manage people. So I think leadership might be very important, um, not only in the past six months, but maybe what's also um, to come. So providing um, this adequate structure to meet goals, but also check in personally with employees if time permits, if managers are able to ask people how they're doing, is there anything you know, that can be put in place to help employees attain the goals, see if they can administer feedback, what works uh, for employees um, currently in their individual situations at home. Um, so provide the goals and structure that people need to attain goals, but also see what they're going through on an interpersonal level, build that kind of personal rapport to see how they're doing and, and, and check in. So do that managing, but also be this type of leader that, um, that does both. I also think one of the most important things might to be, you know, adjust expectations a little bit. I think everyone is really doing the best that they can um, to attain goals, to be the best student, to be the best employee. Um, we're all trying very hard. And so uh, it might not always be reasonable to have the same deadlines that you would if you were in a you know, uh, company setting with interpersonal communication. And so adjusting expectations might help a little bit as well in uh, making people happy and, and giving them that type of freedom that they might need. And lastly, you know, there's a, a lot of research that comes out on appreciation and gratitude, and it really helps to boost spirits of employees. So if people are able to attain the same goals and meet them, showing a lot of, you know, extra appreciation or a lot of gratitude, even more than if we were in a normal office setting, might really go a long way and boost employee spirits that they're still able to attain all these goals besides what they're managing um, currently um, in their home. So those are the three things that I would suggest. Continue to lead and manage, 
perhaps adjust expectations and use extra appreciation and gratitude to help people move forward. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Priestmoot. I really appreciate you being here and for your time and for answering all the questions. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you for listening to Inspiring Minds. Stay tuned for our next installment featuring more VSB students discussing research topics with our world-class faculty.